Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special topical study on the Holy Spirit, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Mordecai Ham's revival was so well received in the crowd, a young man heard the gospel and responded in faith. His name was Billy Graham. I mean, think about that. Billy Graham's legacy in becoming a Christian goes back to a shoe clerk. Isn't that amazing? And how important it is for us, no matter where you are or what you're doing, to be faithful, to take the gift that God has given you and share it wherever you are. If you're in Belk Shoe Department, share, share what God has put on your heart with people. If you have a gift of evangelism or a gift of faith, be mindful to share because you don't know what God is going to do with what you think is just a little thing. I mean, we think, oh, my gift's not like, you know, Rodney's a teacher and gets to teach on Sunday morning. My gift is insignificant. No gift is better than another. And we'll talk about that and develop that as the weeks go on. But take what you've got and take what God has given you and use it. It's so important in the body of Christ how often we feel, people feel, as I said, that if you allow the Spirit of God to work in your life, that the Spirit's going to take over your life. The Bible, listen, the Bible does not teach that the Spirit takes over. I used to think that, especially because years ago, as you guys know, I went to a very, very Pentecostal church, and and we used to go to church, and I used to, like, really look forward to the Spirit taking over the service. And it was fun. Let's just say that. And, 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 you know, you thought the Spirit's going to take over things. Listen, God, the Spirit of God does not take over your life. You can control the gift you have. How often I've heard people say, you know, well, you know, I was in the, you know, store and I just couldn't help it. I had to speak in tongues right then and there. The spirit just took over and I had to do it. You know, the Bible doesn't teach that. And then, you know, the spirit took over. I had to do it and I had to be really loud and I couldn't control my volume. That's what people say. And so they act unseemly. And the Bible says the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. First Corinthians chapter 14, 32. You might want to look that up in your own time. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. In other words, you have control of what the Holy Spirit will do and will not do in your life. He does not just take control. Now, does he want control of your life? Yes, but he wants you to willingly give it to him. And that's what the Bible means when the Bible says, be ye controlled by the Spirit. 
or be led of the Spirit. That means I say, Lord, I delight myself in you, and I want you to take control of my life. But he's a gentleman. He does not force himself upon anyone, nor does he take control, and you become like this psychotic robot or something like that, and you can't control yourself. Well, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says that we are to delight ourselves in the Lord and give over willingly our lives to him so that he can then lead us and guide us and direct our lives. Now, back in your text in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I want you to notice something. Look there, if you will, again in verse 1. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant. Now, that's a very important statement here in uh, this text because Paul's writing, as I said, to a very troubled church. And like the church today, the church at Corinth, they abused and misused the gifts. And as a result, they brought a lot of unnecessary confusion to believers. And so Paul didn't want the believers to be misinformed or, you know, not to understand the gifts. And so he wanted them to have wisdom and knowledge and understanding of the gifts. And so they could minister effectively for the kingdom. And so Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant. Now, this is an interesting phrase because this phrase is found several other places in the Bible. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul writes, I don't want you to be ignorant of Old Testament typology. How the Old Testament stories give us a New Testament principle. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, again, Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning the coming of the Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant of the tactics of the devil. Romans chapter 11, Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning the future of Israel and her place in Bible prophecy and what will be her ultimate end. Now, it's interesting because in these five areas of which Paul writes, I don't want you to be ignorant, are the very areas of which the church is very ignorant. Isn't that interesting? Ignorant concerning the gifts. Ignorant concerning Israel. Ignorant concerning Old Testament typology. Ignorant concerning the tactics of the enemy. Paul says, I'm writing you, and I don't want you to be ignorant. Look in verse 2 and 3. He says, you know that you were Gentiles, Carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one interesting here, speaking by the Spirit of God, calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, in the early church, remember, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. There was obviously, evidently, a rumor in the Corinthian church that someone was speaking in tongues, and the interpretation of the tongue was blasphemous. And so Paul says it is impossible for a person who is walking in the Spirit and being led by the Spirit to say that Jesus is accursed. No one praises God by the power of the devil. It's only through the Spirit that a person can honestly say that Jesus is Lord. And if someone says Jesus is cursed, he doesn't have the spirit and he isn't a Christian. If someone says Jesus is cursed, he isn't a Christian. I was reading this comment and it was interesting for me to find out between services, four people came up to me in regard to this comment that I'm about to make and I'll read it to you and then I'll tell you a little bit more about it. It's, it's of this Episcopal bishop, and his name is John Spawn. 
and he wrote these blasphemous words recently. He said, there is no God external to life. The Bible is not the word of God in any literal or verbal sense. It never has been. The gospels are not the inerrant works divinely authorized by the Holy Spirit. All evangelical and missionary activities designed to convert the heathen are expressions of our sense of superiority and hostility toward those who are different. I would choose to know rather than worship a deity that required a sacrifice of his own son. An Episcopal bishop recently went on record to say that. Talked to several people amazing between services that said that is the reason that they left the Episcopal Church. Because these guys, some of these pastors, some of these churches, they claim to be Christians, and yet they call Jesus a curse. Many pastors, many denominations would agree with this comment. They deny the resurrection. They deny the virgin birth. They deny the deity of Jesus, and they call themselves Christians. Now, let me just say something here that might seem a bit cold and insensitive, and when this airs on the radio, I'm pretty confident that I'm going to get some phone calls. But listen, if you don't believe in the fundamental doctrines of the Christian faith, the blood, the cross, the deity of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit that comes to live inside of all of those who believe in Jesus Christ. If you don't believe in the death and the resurrection, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, listen, you are not a Christian. And it is obvious that the Holy Spirit does not live in your life. You are not a Christian. You cannot be a Christian and deny these very fundamental building blocks of the Christian faith. You can't alter them. You can't change them. You can't manipulate them. You cannot pervert them. You must believe them as the Bible teaches them. And if you do not believe them as the Bible teaches them, you cannot be a Christian. It is impossible. Amen, saints? And that is important for you to understand. Yes, that's a hard statement. No, I'm not being cold. But we must say what the Bible says and let God be true and every man a liar. Let God be true. You can't be a Christian. No one, Paul says, no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse. And this is how you know whether you're a Christian or not. Can you say this morning from your heart that Jesus is Lord? Do you believe that he died for your sins? Do you believe that he rose again and that he is God in the flesh? And if you believe these things, you cannot say this unless you are led by the Spirit. Now, can an unbeliever mumble these words? Absolutely. Can they make a profession of these words? Absolutely. But they won't have a possession of these words. Well, anybody can speak them. But do you really not only profess them, but do you possess them? Well, then notice in verses 4 through 7, or actually we'll just do 4 through 10. Notice talking about the gifts. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are diversities or differences of ministry, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. 
But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. And we'll talk about these gifts individually later. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one in verse 11, and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Notice Paul says there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. The gifts are diverse, the ministries are different, and the activities are diverse, but it's all the same spirit, the same Lord, the same God doing the work through the gifts. In other words, I may possess a certain gift of the spirit, and you can possess that same gift, and it may operate differently in our lives, but yet we have the same gift. You know, that's one thing I love about Calvary Chapel. If you've listened to CSN, you know you've got pastors All different kinds of pastors from all walks of life. Very diverse group of pastors on this Calvary Chapel satellite network. And yet all of those pastors have a great gift to teach. I mean, there's some great teaching. I tune in so I can get some good teaching. There's some great teaching on there. And yet, although they all have the gift to teach, they all teach differently. Isn't that neat? That's just great. I mean, you got all these different pastors, yet, you know, it's like you take Chuck Smith, for instance. He has a gift to teach in a certain way in how he teaches. He takes somebody like Bob Coy. He's got a gift of humor to teach with humor. And then you take somebody like Chuck Missler, who is very prophetic in his teaching. All the same gift of teaching, yet operating in a different way based on that individual. And that is one thing, not only do I like about Calvary Chapel, but you guys, I love that about God. Because God is into diversity. Amen? You know, people, we're just getting it. The world's just getting it. We're like, oh, we got to have our churches diverse. You know what I mean? We got to fire with there's whole ministries on reconciliation and diversity. We got to have, you know, the white people are, we got to get more black people in the church. Yes, we need diversity. Let's go get us some black people. <laughs> and then you get the black church. Yeah, man, we're going to get us some white folks up in here. <laughs> and we need to get, I mean, get some white people in here. We got to make the church diverse. We don't have a responsibility. Listen, we don't have a responsibility to make the church diverse. That's God's job. If we would only teach the Bible, God will send people. Look at our church. There's all kinds of people that go here. You got a black pastor, predominantly white congregation. That's pretty diverse for the South, (laughs) y'all. I'm telling you, people have come here and said, I had to come see it for myself. (laughs) Y'all know it's true. That's why you're laughing. Because it's true, is it not? But there's all kinds of people that go to this church. Now, what happened? Did I go out and say, you know, we need to get us some Asian folks in here? We need some Hispanic folks, few little black people, and some white folks. And we have ourselves a diverse church. No. What you do is you allow God to bring the people. All you need to do is be faithful to teach the word, and God will bring in to whomever he wants, because it is God who is in diversity. We're just getting it. 
And we're just developing whole ministries. God, does, God loves diversity. And that's what I love about the Calvary Chapel movement as a whole. You can walk into Calvary Chapel and you'll find all kinds of people, black people, white people, Asian people, Hispanic people, white collar workers, blue collar workers, um, people, lawyers, doctors, Indian chiefs, all kinds of people. <laughs> How you know there's no Indian chiefs going here? Do you know that? All kinds of people, people working McDonald's, gas station worker, all worshiping the God under one roof because it is God who's doing the work. It's really not about the people. The Lord just sends the people. And and you'll find that in the Calvary chapels and the individual, not only are the individuals different and diverse, but the churches are diverse. And so you go to another Calvary chapel in another city and people call me up and they say, and they'll say, oh, it's not like that church. Why? Well, because it's not the same. Because there really is no cookie cutter. Let me tell you, if you're planning to move or you travel to another city, you will not find another Calvary Chapel like this one. Because this one's the best. No, just kidding. <laughs> just a joke. But, but you won't find them like this one. Why? Because this is a unique work that God is doing. And then when you go to Costa Mesa, you'll find a unique work there that God is using Pastor Chuck in Fort Lauderdale and in Merritt Island, Florida, and down south at Stone Mountain. And all the 1,100 Calvary Chapel affiliates, not one of them are like very diverse. People are worshiping God. Motorcycle people who are in the Harley Club and, the you know, long hair and leather jackets and all kinds of people. God is just doing a work through his people that is diverse and is different and that's good that's right and that's the way it should be amen saints that's the way it should be no nobody should be trying to be like me of course it'd be hard for y'all to do but not like me and and when i go to a fellowship quite honestly and i see everybody's trying to be like the pastor you know they have a suit and a tie and they got the hair moosed up and it's kind of you know going back like this and everybody talks with a uh duh at the end of their sentence you know (laughs) And God uh, wants uh, you uh, to do uh, me uh, a favor, huh? It's like, do you talk like that over dinner? I mean, really? No. And everybody's talking, and that may be fine for you. If that is the way you speak, okay, fine. But when everyone begins to speak that way, and everyone who ascends into the pulpit begins to speak that way, that's a problem. God does not necessarily work that way. God is into diversity, and that is what Paul is talking about. You can see it all through Scripture. The leper, God God healed two lepers different ways. Four blind men, God healed them different ways. He spit in one guy's eye, Jesus did. Isn't that a trip? I mean, it is a trip. I mean, he kind of, you know, the guy comes up, Lord, I want to be healed. The Lord goes, okay, good. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Jesus. Uh-uh. And then one guy said, look, just go away. You are healed. One, he spoke the word. He just spoke the word. The Lord is into diversity, and he's given each one of us a gift. Look at verse 11 again, then I'm going to close. Look at verse 11 again, if you, if you will. But to one and the same spirit works all these things distributing to each. Would you circle that in your Bible? To each. See, you're in each. 
Now, I just learned this Wednesday. Get this. You're in each, to each one individually as he wills. You're in each. Wednesday night. Wednesday night, you guys know we canceled service because the weather was really bad. And so or coming in and going to be bad. And so I'm at home, and, uh, and I'm talking to Elvira, and it's about 6 o'clock. And I said to her, I said, honey, you know, i got to go over to the church. I said, because if one person shows up and I'm not there, I'm going to be embarrassed. You know, if one person showed up, nobody's there. So, so I'm, i got to go over to the church. And Elvira said, okay, fine, I'll, I'll go with you. So we come over to the church, and I'm in my office. And, you know, and, and, and sure enough, you guys, 7 o'clock, some guy comes driving. The weather was awful. I, I couldn't believe it. Some guy comes driving up. Now, I don't know if he's here this service and with here last service, but this guy comes driving up. And, and, and so I sent Elvira to see, you know, what was going on. I thought, you know, if he's a robber or something like that, Elvira would just take care of him, you know what I mean? <laughs> Somebody said to me, Elvira, well, Elvira go to the store. They said, oh, aren't you concerned when she goes to the store at night by, them, by herself? I went, yeah, I'm concerned for her attacker. Elvira would jack you up, you know. So I said, honey, go out and see who it is and let me know. <laughs> and so she goes out and she sees, you know, see the guy. She, he comes in and, 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 and uh, I, I don't know if I see him here. And he comes in and he sits down. We get to talking and fellowshipping about what the Spirit of God is doing and how God wants to move in the church and giving the gifts to people. And he said to me, he said, I'm an each. And I said, are you speaking in tongues? Yeah, I'm an each. I said, what, what do you mean? He says, because in the, in, the, in the text, in 1 Corinthians 12, he says that the Spirit gives to each one. He said, so I'm an each. He's giving me gifts. And I said, that's so true. We're all an each. <laughs> Amen? We're an each. You're an each. I'm an each. And he's given each one of us gifts. And how important it is for each one of us to take the gift that God has given us and begin to use it to impact the world. You don't know what God is going to do with your gift. He wants to use you. Listen, God's got a great plan, a great purpose for you. And if you don't know what your gift is, and why don't you start praying right now from this study on and over the next weeks, we'll be developing and you'll start to see what your gift is. God's going to show you. I'm confident. God's going to show you what your gift is. And then God's going to say, now go use your gift. There's a place for every person in the body. Remember, it's one body, but many members. That idea is on a local level that there is one church but many members but it is also on a global scale that there is one church it is the church of Jesus Christ not of the Latter-day Saints but the church of Jesus Christ and it is the church that has many members there is a place for the Pentecostal church there is a place for the Baptist church there is a place for the body of Christ, and, and everybody fits into this one body. Why don't you start praying now, God, what is my gift? What do you want me to do? But it, listen, in order for you to begin to ask God what your gift is and him to show you, listen, you got to know him first. Amen? And you got to be a Christian first. If you're going to be an each, then you got to be born again first. And then God can begin to use your life. Change your life. The Christian life is an exciting life. I was telling this one guy, I said, I love being a Christian. It's so fun. It's just fun. And I wake up in the morning and I know what I spent my money on last night. 
Amen? It's just fun. And God wants to use you. Let's purpose in our heart for him to do that. Beginning today. Father, we love you. And we thank you, Lord, that it is you. Stand on your feet, would you, saints? That it is you who has made us and each. That's you, Lord. And you've given us gifts. Gifts to be used in the body. And we thank you for these gifts. And may we never find ourselves not using the gift that you've given us, Lord, and ripping each other off and ripping off the church as a whole. And so, Father, but first I pray for those that are here. God, that that has never made a commitment to you, Father, or those that are here that, Lord, they've been away from you for some time. They've been away, Lord. They've turned their backs on you, and, Father, they've found themselves in a place they ought not to be. And I pray for them, Lord that they would just turn their heart now by the Spirit, the same Spirit that gives us gifts is the same Spirit that says, come to Jesus. It's, it's his love and, and his kindness that, that leads us to repentance, that draws us to that place of saying, Lord, forgive me. If you're here and you're, you're backslidden, listen, God's not coming down on you. God's not hammering you. God's saying, come to me. And he's doing that gently by his spirit. He's moving in your heart gently by his spirit. And all you need to do is turn. Turn and come back to him. Turn and say, God, I'm going to give my life back to you now. Give your heart to him today. And then allow him to take your life, to place you in your part in the body of Christ. So, Father, I pray that your spirit would come and do that now. Be glorified in this church. Be glorified in each member of this body. And may we all turn our hearts back to you. Forgive us, Lord. Restore us, God, to true faith and trust in you. And use us, Lord. Show us where that gift is, how to operate within that gift so that you can be glorified, the church can be edified and blessed. We love you today. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.